Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews with your host, Aaron Martell. Hello there, I'm Aaron Martell, and welcome to Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews, a podcast where I talk about and review a rock album of my choice. Today I'm flying solo, no co-pilots, but if you're listening and you're interested in coming on the show to review an album with me, I'm always on the lookout for co-pilots to host a podcast with me. There are a few ways to get in touch with me, which I'll go over at the end of the show. So this week I'm going to be talking about Black Sabbath's 1971 album Master of Reality. Black Sabbath, the Sab Four. I love the unholy frig out of this band, operative word being unholy. I've known about these guys from way back, because my father was a fan of theirs. He had two Sabbath records that he played quite a bit when I was a really young kid, and I remember listening to the music vividly. Those albums were Paranoid and Master of Reality. I remember staring at the cover of this album and being spooked by it, as well as being initially spooked by the loud, heavy music coming from my dad's speakers. Over time, I grew to love it, and in all likelihood it helped to shape me into becoming a metalhead in the mid-80s. By that point, though, I had forgotten about Black Sabbath and was listening to a lot of the glam metal slash hair metal that was popular at the time. But if you're talking about heavy metal, any kind of metal, all roads eventually lead back to Black Sabbath. For all intents and purposes, they are considered to be the first real metal band. Not that they didn't have influences, too, but the sound that they came up with was truly unprecedented. They combined bone-crushingly heavy riffs and rhythms with a dark, evil image that became the foundation for all heavy metal and its numerous subgenres that continues to this day. Once I made that connection in my late teens, early 20s, I began to collect the Sabbath records, and now they're one of my all-time favorite bands. And this album is one of the pillars of their discography. It's time now to give you a few stats about Master of Reality, brought to you by Wikipedia, because doing actual research is a terrible idea. Master of Reality is the third studio album by English rock band Black Sabbath, released in July 1971 on the Vertigo label. It was produced by Roger Bain and was recorded from February to April 1971 at Island Studios, London, England. It is widely regarded as the foundation of doom metal, stoner rock, and sludge metal. Master of Reality peaked at number 5 on the UK Albums Chart and at number 8 in the United States, where it was certified double platinum by the RIAA. With that done, let's go over the lineup card for this album. We have John Ozzy Osbourne on lead vocals, Tony Iommi on guitar, Terrence Geezer Butler on bass, and Bill Ward on drums and percussion. On this record, the entire band is credited with composing the music, with exceptions that I'll mention for individual songs. And all lyrics were written by Geezer Butler. Okay, so let's dig into the track-by-track -track analysis. The first track on the album is Sweet Leaf. coughing fit that was Tony as he was smoking a joint with Ozzy and it just happened to be recorded. 
Then comes the signature riff, which is one of Tony's most iconic. Giza plays along with Tony as Bill plays a simple beat to keep time. Ozzy barks out the lyrics which extol the virtues of marijuana and his encouragement of its usage. There's no chorus per se, but another drawn-out riff that continues the sludgy, stone feel of the song. Towards the end of the track, the tempo picks up, and Tony plays a short solo over a quicker and busier drum beat, something Sabbath would occasionally do to keep things interesting. This track is hugely influential, and is a blueprint for the musical subgenres stoner rock and stoner metal, which still exist to this day, and was played by bands such as Caius and Sleep. Sweet Leaf is a Black Sabbath classic. The next track is After Forever, with music solely by Tony Iommi and lyrics by Geezer Butler. opens with a droning synthesizer part played by Tony, leading into an opening wordless musical passage that serves more or less as the song's chorus. Then comes the main riff, which is fucking great and in my opinion is one of Tony's most underrated. Ozzy's vocals are matter of fact and not very emotive, but in this case it works as he's trying to make a point here. The lyrics are clearly inspired by the fact that Sabbath was looked upon as an evil or satanic band by the general public, even if they weren't really a bunch of devil worshippers. In truth, the band brought it on themselves and exploited that notoriety, but by this time they probably felt that they had painted themselves into a corner. Geezer was, and still is, a Catholic, and his lyrics in this song explicitly say that God is the way to love, and that he's seen the light and is a changed man. However, certain media types latched onto the lyric, Would you like to see the Pope on the end of a rope? Do you think he's a fool? Without context, and continue to condemn the group. But if you delve deeper into the words, Ozzy warns that non-belief might be risking one's soul, and he warns that dire consequences could result from this. Although I am non-religious myself, I can relate to the greater overriding theme of being misunderstood, and I fucking love this song. It has more tempo shifts and tasty riffs in the bridge, and musically it's heavy and grooving. I feel like this lesser-known cut is one of the more overlooked gems in the Sabbath catalog, though hardcore fans know how great it is. Next up, we have Embryo, written solely by Tony Iommi. Was the entire track. It's a short guitar instrumental, an interlude that sort of serves as an intro to the next track. Beginning with this album, Sabbath would record short instrumental pieces that were included as album tracks on many of their subsequent releases. Despite its really short length and simple concept, I enjoy this one and I think it keeps the album flowing along nicely. But that said, it's really too short to be a key track and it is my least favorite on the record. So Embryo qualifies as Aaron's Stinky Stinker. That brings us to the next track, Children of the Grave.
insistent bass line starts this one, with Bill's pounding drums fading in, and then the song blasts off with Tony's memorable riff, which also serves as the track's chorus. The guitar is down-tuned one and a half steps, resulting in an evil, heavy tone Tony would often use on Sabbath records. This also loosened the strings and made it easier for him to play, which was necessitated by the fact that he lost the tips of his right middle and ring fingers in a sheet metal factory accident when he was 17. Tony made his own thimbles for his fingers and learned to play that way since he's a lefty guitar player and his right hand is his fretting hand. However he came about it, Tony Aomi is one of my favorite guitarists, a monster riff machine who also plays some awesome leads. But back to Children of the Grave. Bill adds some percussive elements to this section that helps build the song's tension. Ozzy sings about the threat of nuclear war and how the children of the world need to fight the powers that be for peace or risk being annihilated to becoming children of the grave. For the second time on this record, Ozzy emphasizes love over hate in war, and his vocal delivery comes across as a fearful warning. There is a slowed-down, march-like instrumental middle section that continues the doom and gloom atmosphere of the track. There's no guitar solo, but after the song crashes to a finish, there are these drawn-out, spooky, ghost-like noises, and Ozzy's echoed voice whispering, Children of the Grave, that make me think of the ch 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 noises in the Friday the 13th horror movie series. Children of the Grave is a renowned Sabbath classic that the band has always played live with Ozzy as the singer. I fucking love it. Now let's flip the record over to Orchid, written solely by Tony Iommi. This is another instrumental interlude with Tony on acoustic guitar instead of his usual heavy riffing, and it's a really pretty musical piece. This is more involved and complicated than the earlier track Embryo, and does break up the heavy ambiance the rest of the album carries. I like when Tony does something like this occasionally that proves he's more than just the doom metal riff master. He has more range than that, and this provides a brief moment of levity before he pummels us again on the next track. And that next track would be Lord of This World. lumbering riff opens this one, with the band quickly coming in to join Tony, and after a few bars of this, the group establishes a solid mid-tempo groove for the verses. Ozzy plays Satan in the lyrics, mocking humanity for its pride and greed, and turning to evil ways for self-gratification, making the devil the lord of the world. Humankind may think it's innocent, or maybe not even aware of what's happening, but in the end the devil will win out if certain choices are made. This song gains a faster tempo in the middle section, where Tony plays an excellent solo over Geezer's busy bass playing. Geezer Butler is one of the great metal bassists, and he shines here. Ozzy screams out, Lord of this world, evil possessor, Lord of this world, he's your confessor now. And the band settles back into its groove for the final verse and end of song instrumental freakout. 
If this track doesn't qualify as a key influence on doom metal or sludge metal, I don't know what else would. I dig this tune. We move on now to the penultimate track, Solitude. Instrumentally, it's muted and quiet. Just Geezer on bass and Tony on clean electric guitar, with Tony also on flute and piano, believe it or not. Tony Iommi, multi-instrumentalist. This song is sad and forlorn, with Ozzy using a delay effect on his voice, singing about the pain of loneliness in a hushed, hopeless tone. Black Sabbath has had a few stellar singers in its long history. Glenn Hughes, Ian Gillen, of course, Ronnie James Dio, but there is something special about the original band with Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy may not be the most technically proficient of the Sabbath singers, but there's a rawness and realness to his voice that suits the material perfectly. You can hear the years of struggle and hardship he endured in his voice. For me, when I hear the name Black Sabbath, I think of these four players, including Ozzy. Substitute someone else and it just isn't Sabbath. In my opinion, it's a different band, even if the music is still incredible. Heaven and hell, anyone? Though this isn't the typical type of song Sabbath usually does, there is still a heaviness in the lyrics and vocal delivery that makes Solitude a legitimate fit on the record. We come now to the final track, Into the Void. Rocket engine burning slow, crunchy riff is joined by the rest of the band and heads into another mid-tempo heavy metal thumper. Ozzy relates a science fiction tale of how human beings have ruined the earth and a small group of people travel to another planet to live in peace and love. Leave the earth to Satan and his slaves. Leave them to their future in their graves. Make a home where love is there to stay. Peace and happiness in every way. Sound dopey? Well, it kind of is. But it also serves as a cautionary tale to all humanity not to abuse the planet so much and take it for granted. It's a theme common to a lot of songs throughout history, though maybe not on the level of suggesting we colonize another planet. But hey, we hear on the news about how someday we may establish a settlement on Mars, so maybe Geezer Butler, who wrote the lyrics, is a Nostradamus-like visionary. At any rate, there's another tempo change where the music speeds up and Ozzy wails out the spacefaring lyrics and then drops back down to its verse groove. The song ends with Tony soloing over a different and final riff, with Bill Ward accenting the hi-hat on the way out. Bill was a jazz-influenced drummer who brought a different kind of feel to the music than a basic rock skins basher would. It gave the original Sabbath an original flavor that was never duplicated, and I have always preferred him to any of the other drummers the band has employed. This song showcases Bill's impressive chops with the various tempo shifts. I have always loved this tune, and it was a live favorite as well. Well, that completes the track by track, so let's go into my album rating. For you new listeners out there, it's a 0 to 5 system, where 5 is a favorite record of mine, down to a 0, which is the equivalent of dog shit. 
The first six Black Sabbath records are wholly writ for heavy metal fans, as they truly paved the way for all the varied metal madness to come in the ensuing decades. Among these albums, I rank three or four of them among my favorites, and Master of Reality is definitely one of them. If you press me, on most days I'd rank this as my favorite Sabbath album, so this definitely gets a five from me. The band was beginning to expand its sound a bit on this one, and try new colors and textures in the music without abandoning the ear-splitting volume and doomy lyrics that made them famous. To my ears, it was a resounding success, so Master of Reality earns a five. I'd now like to give a shout-out to a podcast that I enjoy listening to. This one is called Rock and or Roll with host BJ Cramp. This podcast covers a lot of obscure rock and metal music, as well as the big-name Main Street artists, and each episode is chock-full of great tunes. I recommend this to any serious rock fan who wants to dive into the deep end of the pool. Rock and or roll. Dig it. I also want to acknowledge the listeners, who seem to be slowly growing this podcast every week. We have downloads from California, New York, Wyoming, Virginia, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, New Hampshire, and Texas, to name a few. I want to thank the listeners in Ireland, Spain, and the Netherlands, who have been with us almost from the very beginning. I don't know who you are individually, but we appreciate each and every one of you who have taken time out of your day to listen to this little show. It means so much to us, and we hope you continue to hang with us as we keep going forward. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast on iTunes, so if you're an Apple user and you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it there. We're still looking for our first iTunes review, and if you take the time to do that, I'll read your review right here on the show. For you Android users, the podcast is available on Stitcher. You can leave comments and reviews there too, and I'll read your reviews on the show from there as well. If you'd like to contact me directly, I can be reached at Ridiculous Rock Records, one word, Ridiculous Rock Records, at gmail.com, and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there is a link to hear each podcast. You want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with me? Shoot me an email and we'll set it up. I'm always looking for co-pilots to host the show with me and would also welcome any requests or suggestions for albums to cover. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places. I'd love to hear from you and find out who's listening. And lastly, here at R4, we thank you so much for giving this podcast a listen and a massive thank you if you like and support the show. Take care. I'll catch you later. Sabbath was looked upon as an evil or satanic band. Yes, I love the Black Sabbath. They are evil, like the devil. Ozzy Osbourne makes me want to suck your blood. <laughs> yes, I love Black Sabbath too. They are my favorite. <laughs> Black Sabbath is the greatest band in the world. <laughs>